0: Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and culture of their family's environment. Now, here's your host, Jonathan
1: Guerrero. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. It's great to have you with me. I'm really excited. It's not very often that I get to have my wife on the program with me, but I am super excited. My wife is Shoshana Guerrero. She has her master's degree in marriage and family therapy, and she is also the founder of Graduating Boys, and that's the main reason why I have her on the program, is to talk about Graduating Boys. I'm really excited about this. Let's get into why this is even happening. What, what is Graduating Boys, and why did you start it?
0: So Graduating Boys is really just still an idea or a framework for how to help parents raise boys. I started it in 2013. Uh, our oldest then was a little over a year old. And I realized at that time that as a mom raising a boy, I didn't know what I was doing. And so one of the first things you need to do is start to envision what it is that you want to happen. Stephen Covey in his seven habits of highly effective people with habit number two says that you need to begin with the end in mind. And just a little bit from the Stephen Covey Foundation um, about habit two is to begin with the end in mind is based on imagination, the ability to envision in your mind what you cannot at present see with your eyes. It is based on the principle that all things are created twice. There is a mental first creation and a physical second creation. The physical creation follows the mental just as building follows a blueprint. If you don't make a conscious effort to visualize who you are and what you want in life, then you empower other people and circumstances to shape you in your life by default. It's about connecting again with your uniqueness and then defining the personal, moral, and ethical guidelines within which you can most happily express and fulfill yourself. I knew as a mom... Um, And one of the funny things that we say in our family when it comes to raising boys is a quote by Kenny Rogers who said, uh, you need to keep boys busy or they will take your house apart board by board. Uh, And I found that to be true in the sense that boys need to be active and you need to be very intentional with how you are helping them learn skills and stay connected in their environment and with the relationships that they have.
1: And your first quote, uh, the one with Stephen Covey, it sounds pretty much, I had this vision in my mind of a canvas. Someone has to paint on that canvas. And so it's all about deciding whether you're going to paint on it. If you don't paint that canvas, somebody else will. Is that basically a summary of what that means?
0: Right. So either we're intentionally parenting boys or they're going to be heavily influenced by the culture. And, There were some things in particular that I did not want the culture to have influence over. First of all, being the uh, research around what happens in marriages where the wife becomes ill. And so the man has to be or the the man has to be the caregiver in that situation. So according to caregiver.org, out of the 43% of the population that provide care to an adult or child, only 14% are males. So that's about one in six caregivers are males. So that means by far the majority of caregivers are females. But one of the things that really stood out to me was in an article of the New York Times, the risk of divorce when women are diagnosed with a chronic or, ter- chronic or terminal medical condition is one of the strongest predictors of divorce among couples. I was just quite concerned about the cultural influence and the um, importance of men staying connected and engaged in their relationship.
1: What that really is saying is there's an overwhelming culture of men abandoning their families or their spouses. That, To me, that's being blunt about what that statistic suggests.
0: Right. They're abandoning their families when there is sickness, when their partner is chronically or terminally ill, they're more likely to abandon their families.
1: And then even when we look at marriage vows, that's a big part of marriage vows. Is this a modeled behavior?
0: All I knew was that the blueprint or the cultural blueprint that we have for for boys and their relationships was not what I wanted for our boys. So that's I guess how I can speak to that.
1: The next thing I have on my mind is, are girls really ahead of boys in most areas, such as education? What are some of the factors that are driving this?
0: For a long time, people just didn't care whether or not girls succeeded or not. There have always been, if you go through history, there have always been women who have been high achievers, and they have found ways... Um, through male-dominated societies, to stand out uh, and and make those achievements that they they were driven to do. But for the most part, uh, up until the 1980s, 1990s, people just didn't care whether or not girls particularly succeeded. And so once the school system started to provide a little more effort and a little bit more focus, girls really started to take off academically. And so they were one of the highest graduating Uh, groups in um, high school and then any undergrad and then postgraduate. So girls are dominating the education scene now.
1: So it sounds like in the process of this, boys have gotten a different message. Is, is Is that message happening or the lack of a message of importance? Is that in the educational system or is that in the home?
0: Well, so one of the things you want to keep in mind is that this that graduating always t- typically follows a bell-shaped curve. And so boys, even now, typically you're going to have your highest achievers are typically going to be boys as far as like physical, uh, mental, and intellectual. Um, there are just some boys who just have like all of those genetic and environmental factors just come together. Um, and then they also have the, the support they need to be able to – Accomplish the things that they want to accomplish, and so boys are all that we we always have that group of boys who are high achievers and are going to do well and are successful. But what people don't think about is that there's this bell-shaped curve, and that at the other end is typically boys as well. So when you have girls who are also succeeding, they tend to fill out more of the middle, um, and there's fewer uh, and. That's not the case anymore because they were graduating so much faster and and with more degrees than boys. So you have more girls at the front of the curve um, than you do at the end of the curve. And it's Lisa Elliott in Pink Brain, Blue Brain that talks about the protective factor of the XX chromosome. And so if there is a genetic fault in the chromosomes, they have a backup set that protects them. So if they are... Um, going to have a disability is because they um, have an error in both sets of their chromosomes. So they are less likely to be as disabled throughout life simply because they've got the backup set of the XX chromosome. Boys, however, with the XY don't have that backup, and so they more evenly spread through that bell-shaped curve, and so you have some boys that are just going to struggle more due to not having that backup of the genetic chromosomes like the girls do. Um, So that's uh, kind of the genetic element to that. But the other thing is, is that girls get more emotional support. Um, we talk more emo- in more emotional language with them. And we also recognize the importance of relationships. We don't have those conversations with boys. We aren't talking about their feelings. We aren't giving them language for their feelings. And while we focus on the competitive elements of relationships, we don't talk about the nurturing side of relationships so that they're able to engage and connect with their, with their family um, if they choose to get married with their spouse and if they have children to be able to then engage with their children emotionally.
1: That was really insightful. I will definitely agree. Boys really struggle when it comes to emotional language. There's definitely a deficit there. And that is such a key thing, a key skill that at some point uh, I don't know where or if that ever gets picked up. And that has to that definitely has to change. If we're going to change the dynamics of what a stable marriage and a stable relationship actually means, we're going to get into that a little bit later on, but we're going to change gears now just a little bit. Let's look at areas such as substance abuse and addiction. What are the statistical comparisons between boys and girls as far as tendencies towards substance abuse or addictions?
0: So with that question, you're really stepping into the space of mental well-being and overall, women report more difficulties with mental illness. They're more willing, we think, to have those conversations. Again, they have that emotional language and they're, they have those relational skills, so they're more able to reach out. So overall, more women report signs and symptoms of mental illness than men do. So I'm just going to step into the, the statistics in mental illness. We know that the top three um, consistently experienced are going to be substance use, depression, or mood disorders, and then anxiety disorders. And those are pretty consistent at 20%. So about one in five people are going to be experiencing a mental illness in a given year. And it's typically what, going to be one of those primary three, substance abuse, a mood disorder, or anxiety disorder. The difference is, is that women are more rep- likely to report mood disorders and anxiety disorders. And then disproportionately, men report substance use disorders. The other thing behind these is that these three are co-occurring. If you have a substance use disorder, you're more likely to have a mood disorder and you're more likely to have anxiety disorder. If you have an anxiety disorder, you're more likely to have a mood disorder and and, um, substance use disorder. So what's happening is, in my opinion, is that Men are experiencing anxiety and mood disorders, but they're going to substances and addictions in order to self-soothe and to self-medicate and try and treat these mood and anxiety disorders. And so I believe that you will find they have uh, reports more of substance use, pornography addiction, um, gambling, um, any other type of addictive behavior is going to be primarily men. And so in those settings, we also need to be screening and treating mood disorders and anxiety disorders.
1: Let's go into one of the questions that I'm probably very, maybe the most curious about when it comes to what we've just talked about. The boy, is it men or is it women that are the most likely to go seek therapy?
0: By far, women. By far.
1: Okay. So there's a lot said in just that alone.
0: Right. Women are are more comfortable reaching out for help than men are.
1: So does that come back to the issue of emotional language? Is that what drives that?
0: Boys do not have the emotional language that they need, which means that um, they aren't getting the emotional support that they need. And so it's not so much that they don't reach out. It's that they don't know that it's an option. Um, Culturally, uh, this isn't something that we support. Uh, within families, I don't think it's typically supported. Um, Men are usually told to like suck it up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you figure it out. Um, So the language that we treat boys with is pretty harsh, even from a young age. So if we're harsh with somebody, what we plant is what we're going to harvest. And so they're typically going to then Um, be more hostile and harsh with other people versus being gentle and emotionally attuned.
1: That's a perfect segue into the next question I have, which are boys more or less prepared for relationships than they used to be.
0: Men actually are wanting more from their relationships now than they used to. I think they don't want to be considered the babysitter. They want to be considered the parent um, that they're wanting to be involved in their own experience of life. And so they're wanting to be involved in, You know, planning for a marriage, planning their house, planning, you know, the family experience. And so I think that it's men advocating for their own experience to be part of the family and they're wanting more from their lives.
1: They just lack the language for how to make it happen.
0: Well, if you think about it, language is a place where we start with, but again, with the uh, language is still part of the the imagination in some ways. like there's language, then there's there's taking the steps, there's learning the steps, there's practicing the steps, and then you have to become um, a skilled or a master at those steps. So wanting something is great. Um, but there's still the, the actions that need to be taken the practice before somebody becomes more proficient at those skills. So I think we're at a a great place, a great starting place. And there's, there's more to learn. And the thing is, is that when men make these changes, it shifts the family system. And so there, there are, things that the rest of the family has to adjust to and be more open to as well when somebody wants to take a more active role in the family.
1: What are examples of some of those changes? What does that look like?
0: So I would say the, probably the best examples are going to be around parenting. Dads really want to be more involved in parenting and taking care of their children from a young age. Um, I don't think they're confident, especially with the newborns to – one or two. Um, They're pretty fragile then. And I think men feel like they're pretty big and strong and it's awkward to try and take care of this fragile little baby. Um, And then the other area I would say is education is where men are all wanting to be more involved with their children and helping them make some um, beneficial decisions for their future. Those are um, some of the main ones I see.
1: I think that uh, you're spot on when You were saying that dads really want to be involved. I mean, even at an early age and whatnot, but they lack the confidence. Uh, That's very, very true because a lot of dads would put it this way. They're afraid they're going to break their little baby. And so they just, and then there's the confidence or the lack of confidence. And so in a lot of areas they check out um, when they actually do want to be involved. They just would like to be confident and need a little extra help. And that's in the, the very, very early years. But even after we get further into the later years, there is a lack of confidence still, but it shifts in a different area because now we're getting into the emotional, the emotional stability, emotional regulation, all this other stuff. And this is an area where dads are not confident either. They're not even confident sometimes in their own experience, much less trying to help their own kids become emotionally mature so what role can dads play in the emotional maturity or resilience of boys
0: okay so that's a really interesting thing that you stated so i would start with i want to go back and mention the comment where you said that Uh, dad's more likely to check out in those early years. First of all, if somebody is checked out and less engaged, that puts them at higher risk for a mental illness, i.e. substance use disorder or pornography or gambling or name your addiction, uh, gaming, they're higher risk at those, at that point because their wife is preoccupied and caring for a very, uh, insistent and uh, dependent child. Um, So, first of all, I think that's important. Next, I think that is of utmost importance is that the primary thing that dads can be doing is supporting the sensory motor development of their children. It's going to play a key element in their education, their emotional development, and the, the ability of the brain to integrate information So that is one of the key things that men can do, um, core muscle development. Um, so you think your big muscles, your abs, your, your glutes, your quads, all of the core, um, that help the body be the strongest it can possibly be, even into your shoulders and arms all help, uh, early learning development. Um, and so some of the best things that you can do is to support that core strength, Um, some of the things that you can do, um, just thinking about seeing when children struggle with wiggling, um, they're bouncing, slouching, um, sitting itself requires core strength. Um, and we expect children in schools to sit a very long time and we have them in school for longer. And so the more you have them in school, the more you need to be supporting core strength. And I understand like that people value education and they want their children to be getting the best education they can, but children cannot integrate information if they're struggling to maintain their own um, emotional well-being and physical well-being. Focus requires a strong core as well as emotional readiness. So if we're finding children are struggling with uh, attention symptoms, one of the things you can start with is, are you supporting their core muscle development. Um and then the other thing that having a strong core helps with is reducing the likelihood of behaviors um because they feel confident and they're able to manage their body and then having some emotional language they're able to manage and regulate their emotions is going to make it easier for them to manage their own well-being. And then also come back from when they have an emotional meltdown. So while these things don't seem related to um, like their emotional or academic or educational well-being, they're actually the core skills that dads can support uh, in helping children to do well in their early childhood into their um, middle school and adolescent years.
1: One of the things I really liked about what you said uh, at the very beginning of your answer to this question Um, And I want to bring it back again. And that is that it is so crucial and important for dads to engage in the beginning, even when you feel like you don't know what you're doing. You know, we have this idea that mothers were just born with this innate idea to know exactly what to do in every single case. And I've had repeated guests come on here. Uh, mothers coming on here saying that, no, we didn't know what we were doing. No, it was not instinctive. But the difference is they put the work in, they put the time in, they did the research, they read the books, they did everything they needed to do to learn. Instead of just succumbing to this idea that this is overwhelming. I don't know what I'm doing. Therefore I can't do it. And then checking out. I think a crucial thing is, do your own work, do some education, be involved. Cause what Shoshana said was really, really crucial in understanding the emotional development. It all starts early. It's not something that, as a father, you're supposed to work on later or when they become or when they're past the toddler years, you're supposed to be working on this from the very, very beginning.
0: So what as you were talking there, the first thing that came to mind is I think women or the moms have this oxytocin bond, uh, that neurotransmitter bond, hormonal bond that men don't have because they aren't putting in the time, as you said, for that skin to skin contact. We, we get such a strong bond through that oxytocin that there is um a more determined uh point of view i think because we we have such a, a strong connection we're going to do whatever it takes to help this little one and so that's another thing that you can do is you can from the beginning um spend that time with with little ones so you're getting that oxytocin bond just like mom is
1: that's a great point Have educational systems done boys a huge disservice by minimizing the trades as a career path?
0: There's a couple of different things here. First of all, again, you're going to have to start with the end in mind. So what is it you're envisioning for your child is a help, but you can't hold that as like the, the, um, determined outcome. So like we know some parents who have determined that their child will be a doctor or their child will be one of these executive level professionals, and it's just not a fit. So you want to have a high standard, uh, Daniel Coyle and the culture code to belong. You have a high standard but that standard can't be rigid. It's, um, we support the ongoing growth of our, our children and our family. So that's one part there. Coming back to the educational systems, there is some definitely dysfunctional elements of the educational system. Within the U S department of education, uh, report in 2020, there, the document They have documented that the school-to-prison pipeline is evident, especially for black boys. So there is this intuition- institutional process of boys, and especially boys of color, are going to be in the school. And then at some point, um, typically somewhere between middle school and high school, they start to have many uh, interactions with the law, and then they are transferred over to the legal system. This is a documented known fact and very little is done to address this t- to help save our, our black boys and our boys of color. So that's the first thing that we have to acknowledge that there is this pipeline in place and there's something that needs to be done to disrupt that. What I would say is that I don't think that there's a lot of consideration for the different learning styles. So any of the boys that are able to do, um, academically well with like visual learning or auditory learning, um, those boys are going to do well if they're able to transfer that into um, the academic work. For the boys that need um, to learn in nature, um, if you're going to the eight learning styles, uh, for the boys who need to learn kinesthetically, they're going to struggle. And the thing is, is that some schools have started to work trades or the uh, farming programs into their educational programs. And those boys in those programs do well. So when we have the resources available, when they have those options available, they do well. The other thing though that we need to consider is that sometimes attention uh, deficit behavior, sometimes emotional dysregulation, sometimes mood disorders in boys is actually related to early childhood trauma. And so we need to be mindful of that. Is this person demonstrating attention difficulties or are they coping with previous trauma? And that's something that we need to be mindful to be more trauma sensitive in our schools. So being trauma sensitive, having access to a variety of ways of learning, which schools are getting better at in some places, and um, being open, like having a high standard of, but also being open to what the career path looks like for your child are some of those essential items to remember.
1: As we close, what is your challenge to dads wondering what they can do to raise their boys to be prepared and ready for life.
0: I'm going to challenge men to get into therapy. Do the emotional work that you need to do. Learn the emotional language. Model emotional regulation. Model managing mood disorders. Model managing anxiety disorders or any other type of mental illness that might be um, something that your family experienced do the work to manage any childhood trauma. Uh, There can be adult traumas too, medical trauma. Um, There can be just any of those experiences that can happen. So my challenge to men is go to therapy, do the emotional work, Set the, you know, create the model for your boys to follow and and support their emotional growth and well-being.
1: There it is. Therapy, therapy, go into therapy. I can tell you it's if you're not used to it or if you haven't been doing it, it is a very scary, intimidating thing to take that first step to pick up the phone to call a therapist for that first time. Or maybe it isn't your first time and you haven't done it in a while. You need to get back into it. It needs to be a regular thing. I can tell you from firsthand experience. Yes, I have one too. You should too. I can tell you it's worth it. You will get a sense of freedom when you finally learn how to manage and how to deal with things. Instead of everything bottling up, you feel uptight. You have, you will actually feel a sense of power, being able to control yourself, being able to manage challenging difficult situations and navigate your way around it and then the other thing model 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 now you can't model something that you don't know or that you don't understand or that you haven't worked on the skills for you get that from therapy and then take those skills and model them so your kids can learn those skills as well Shoshana how can our audience find out more about graduating boys and learn about what you're doing
0: Uh, So I have a Facebook page called Graduating Boys, um, and I'm always open to feedback on what would be helpful to parents in helping them intentionally parent and raise graduating boys.
1: All right. I'm going to post the link in the description. So if you go to thefatherhoodchallenge.com, that's thefatherhoodchallenge.com go to the episode description and look right below the description. I'm going to put the Facebook link there so you can go directly to it. So Shoshana, thank you so much for coming on the Fatherhood Challenge. I have thoroughly enjoyed this.
0: Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood Challenge. If you would like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com.